At the close of our pre-Lenten clergy retreat, we had Eucharist with renewal of ordination vows. The Reverend Janie Wilson, rector of Our Savior Rock Hill, preached a powerful sermon looking at our call through the lens of God's call to Samuel. Hope you enjoy this sermon on this edition of Make, Equip, and Send, the stories that shape EDUSC. a librarian. (laughs) This passionate declaration appeared in the middle of discussion in the library science reference course about what had brought us there. For some, it was just about practicality, just about needing a job. For me, it was about this single mom getting a second master's instead of the PhD to finish school while she could still mother her two boys. But I remember the embarrassment, the pity, the less than kind humor which pervaded the atmosphere. Truthfully, the discomfort was because none of the rest of us felt that kind of certainty. Among those pursuing a master's of library science, visions were not widespread. (laughs) But given what came next to me, after 15 happy years of librarianship at Berea College, I have never forgotten it. For some of us, a sense of that call does happen and remain from childhood through adulthood. For the rest of us, it is a series of trips out of bed in the middle of the night, only to be told by someone we love and respect that we should go back to bed. And yet somehow, that pull towards teaching and healing in the towns and villages of doing the work of the Lord on a daily basis refuses to stay under the covers. My first asking was in reading the funeral passage from Romans at my grandfather's funeral. I was the grandchild chosen by the priest at the Episcopal Church home to read, and I was hyper aware of her ministry, that she spent all this loving time with the family so that she could preach with honor and truth about someone she had barely known, and he was a remarkable man. And when it came time to read, the Holy Spirit came through like an express train. The voice was not entirely mine. I think I might want to explore this, I said tentatively on the phone to my mother. Silence. (laughs) Are you crazy, she responded. You still have three children at home and a husband who needs you to be there for him. You have no business doing anything like this. Go back to bed. Some years passed. Samuel was perhaps lucky to get this down to a single night. My beautiful mother died of autoimmune complications at the age of 64. In the counseling which followed, I realized her words to me were more a reflection about regret for her own choices and wanting me to feel better about mine. Divorced with five children less than my eight years, she moved back in with her parents and her grandmother 
in order to pursue pre-med and medical school. She never married again and was one of only four women in her University of Louisville medical school class of 200 students. She was brilliant and successful and groundbreaking, but there was a price. And she did not take into account my support network or my past decision to be a librarian. My amazing spouse was incredibly supportive when God knocked again. Shannon had perused his own call in college and discerned again the strong pull to remain a committed lay person. Perhaps I went through all that to support you now, he said, valiantly refusing to glaze over at what the logistical and financial obligations might be. But early in my process, our warm and charismatic rector stood in the pulpit and announced he was seeking a divorce. Y'all know what that meant. Go back to bed. But call that is true cannot really be denied. Even Eli came out of his torpor the third time. Because Samuel did not yet know the voice of the Lord, Eli, in his fading time of ministry, in the absolute wreck of his house, became a bridge to the new power which Samuel's ministry would bring. God will always work through the devastation for good, something we tend to forget when things are crumbling around us. God sent an angel in the form of a deacon. Lois refused to give up, and so, well, here I am, bravely and humbly sharing my thoughts with you at the request of our bishop. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I admit I'm a middler of sorts. Some of you are renewing your vows for the very first time, and others have been doing so for decades. But what can be remarkable is the chance to look at them outside this formal renewal. Some of you were at Canuga when our group talked about stewardship and whether or not rectors knew what parishioners gave. As you may remember, Bishop Waldo beseeched us to consider looking at financial records in pursuit of seeking deeper pastoral relationships. Even though I was afraid, after months of prayer, I changed my practice. So I want to share two examples of what happened next. The first was a young single mother, someone close to my heart experience, who was literally in tears at the annual meeting because she felt she had not given enough. With my arm around her, I was acutely aware that I might have dismissively said, oh, it's okay, I never know anyway. But instead, because I did know, but did not actually remember, and there is a distinction there, <laughs> the conversation focused on what she actually was giving of herself as an offering, and there was deep affirmation. The second instance was the only negative response, which came from my writing more than 100 handwritten notes at the bottom of the 2019 year-end statements, which also included the 2020 pledge. My conversation with the couple began in the Book of Common Prayer. They had never attended an ordination, nor had they ever heard of the rite of reconciliation. 
They had no framework at all for the way in which we who are clergy view the vows which we live and then renew. This hour-long, patient, and deep conversation led them to an understanding of the Episcopal Church, which never would have happened had I not made it transparent that I had seen those statements. The next Sunday, each member of this couple came up to me separately to thank me for their time with me, my time with them, and their own enhanced understanding. But it was looking at my vows again in this teaching and prayerful way outside of this annual Eucharist that I was reminded that I do have a ready way of strengthening those spiritual core muscles. Sometimes those are the only core muscles that get strengthened. <laughs> and just as Samuel needed to go back to bed, perhaps every now and then, so do I. My soul is content as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth praises you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the night watches. Some days this is at the heart of our spiritual life, this going back to bed in order to remember who we are. And so today in the context of rest and renewal, we know we can state with holy hope, I am a missionary, I am a deacon, I am a priest, I am a bishop. What we really renew today is our faith, the Lord who has given us the will to do these things will give us the grace and power to perform them. Amen.